and welcome to the Ask My Mom podcast, a podcast for young adults about all the things we didn't learn in school. Here to share her knowledge with our generation is my mom, Jen Exer, and accredited financial counselor, Jennifer. If you learned something on today's episode or simply enjoy the pod, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to it. To get in touch with us, you can submit your questions via email to askmymompod at gmail.com. You can also like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at askmymompod. We greatly appreciate all your support. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Ask My Mom podcast. And we have a special treat today. Noelle is here for this episode. I'm so happy. It's so nice to see you, Noelle. Hi, I'm so happy to be back here. For the record, my mom does see me outside of when we record, but I'm happy to see you via Zoom again. I don't see you nearly often enough. I know. I'm, it's nice to be back recording. I've got been thinking of lots of financial questions, so I hope I'm on more episodes moving forward. If you'll have me. Of course. Of course. Yeah. They're always more fun when you're here because people don't have to hear me talk the whole time and then they get to hear the conversation and you probably come up with questions that they would ask. And I try to answer the questions I think would someone would ask during the episode, but it's not as easy as when you're here. Right. So we had a listener question that come in this week. Do you want to read the question, Noelle? Yeah, I'll read the question. So a listener wrote it. <laughs> Your phone sound off. It's not my phone. How it's, unprofessional. It's the Dagum Alexa. Someone got an Amazon delivery. Yeah, it's actually something um, I have for you. Do you want to know what it is? I do want to know what it is. Okay, so I ordered it. They're called Swedish dishcloths. <laughs> You're like, yay. But it's like a, a dishcloth made out of this material that mm-hmm. it replaces like up to 17 rolls of paper towels. You just reuse oh. it over and over. And you can sanitize it and wash it. And when you're done, when it wears out, you just recycle it. Or you can put it in like your compost. And it recycles. Because I've seen the ones where like replaces a paper towel roll with cloths that like Velcro together. Yeah, this is not that. I'm excited to use it. Thank you for my Swedish dishcloths. All right. You want to jump back into it? So the listener, a listener wrote in and had a pretty simple question. At 24, how much debt is okay to carry? And actually, this is a really good question because as another 24-year-old, which makes me think that it's one of my friends who wrote in, um, I think that to myself. I mean, I'll let you obviously give the real answer, but I have kind of a thought. What's your thought? I think this is a really, it's a simple question, but I think it's actually really complex because there's so many different kinds of debt and like your debt, your student loans are debt. And like, that's debt you carry, but those are kind of, I don't know, like, I don't want to say socially acceptable, but like, those are like, that's normal debt versus like credit card debt is like crazy or like medical bill debt is like a bigger thing. It's not car loan or your student loans that just kind of everyone's dealing with, right? We're going to look at it kind of in pieces today. And we're going to look at it like as a whole, because certain things you do, you want to look at individually, but then when you put all the pieces together, you still want to stay under a whole. So we're going to do that. So before we get into those guidelines, let's talk about which types of debts there are. So we have revolving debt, which would be like credit cards, um, which usually, as you know, have higher interest rates. And revolving debt, sometimes also called open-ended debt, it just means that you can re-borrow that money over and over. So as you pay it back, you can borrow from it again. And that's how credit Mm -hmm. cards work. You know that. Right. Not open-ended debt once you make a payment on like your car. 
you don't take back your payment and say, oh no, I'd rather still owe that 250. Whereas like your credit card, I can pay 250 of it off and then take the two and take 250 right back out of it. Whereas that why wouldn't be revolving for a car is once you pay it, you're not, you're not going to re-owe that money. Right. So your car would be considered an installment loan mm-hmm. or um, its signature loan would be an installment loan. So any loan with like a, a specific length of time and a set payment every month, because, you know, your credit card payment fluctuates too, according to what you owe and all that kind of stuff. Well, and it's also, it's for a, more of a specific purpose, right? Like your car loan is the car. The credit card is like anything. Right. Well, a personal loan could be anything also. Okay. And that's an installment loan but it's an installment loan. Yeah. So normally an installment loan has collateral. Um, personal loans also sometimes are called signature loans, but they don't have collateral. It's just your signature promising that you're going to pay this back. So that normally has a little bit of a higher interest rate as well. Those are a little harder to get, I think, when you're younger because you don't have as much credit history to show that your promise is good enough. That makes sense. I'll, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only person. I get it from like free checks, like Credit Karma. It constantly is trying to tell you that you can have a personal loan to c- combine all of your debt. Personal loans though. Oh, I was just going to say, that's why I don't like credit karma because they're always trying to get you to borrow money. You can't borrow yourself out of debt. That's what you tell me. You cannot borrow yourself out of debt. That's And that brings me back to the personal loan because that's sometimes what people do is they get a personal loan to pay off their debt. Mm-hmm. And a personal loan does have lower interest rate in a set amount of time. So in theory, it makes sense. However, when you borrow money to pay off credit card debt, you still have access to those credit cards. It's dangerous. Yeah. So it's, it's dangerous. You have to, if this is something that someone's going to consider, they really have to just take control of their spending first, change those habits so that they don't fall back into that credit card black hole. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So in theory, yeah, my, my interest rates lower, my payment's going to be lower and I'll have it paid off in five years. Well, that's great, but you have to put those credit cards away. So I have some, some um, debt facts. I just thought was interesting. I got these from, I think it was debt.org. Yeah. Debt.org. I just thought they were interesting for the conversation today. Cause you know, I like statistics. Love sticks. American household debt hit a record of $14.6 trillion in the spring of 2021. So $14.6 trillion. That's like oh, nine zeros. 11 zeros. Holy shit. Right? Six, nine. Yeah, 11. So $14.6 trillion. That's a ton of debt. So but it's hard to say if that's like for all of us, like that, like that number is almost so big that it doesn't really mean anything for how much well, money that is. You know what I mean? Like it means something. It's hard to wrap your brain around that kind of money. Like, like Jeff, like once you get into like 32 billion or 14 trillion, Like, it's just so much money that it's almost an imaginary number to me, which is why finance is so confusing. (laughs) Well, that $14.6 trillion is shared by 340 million people. But not equally. Not equally. No, and I have that number. But good news, credit Mm -hmm. card debt dropped to $73 billion, billion with a B. It was a 9% decrease from 2019 to 2020. It's the first time credit card debt has dropped in eight years. So it's down to 73 billion credit card. Why is that? You know, it's interesting because that was the beginning of COVID, right? The only thing I can think of, I guess that would make sense. No, actually that doesn't make sense. I don't know. That is interesting. Well, I think people weren't spending as much money. So they weren't using their credit cards as much because we didn't know it was going to happen. 
That's true. And I think a lot of people use, like, if you can't save for a vacation, you might say, okay, well, we'll just put that on the credit card. Or like, if you need something, you put it on your credit card and pay it off later. And I guess during COVID people really weren't making those kind of like big purchases and traveling like that, that you would put on a credit card. Yeah. So 33% of the people surveyed said that they put more in savings in 2020 than in 2019. Yeah. We were locked down. Yeah. I have some more statistics. So this is 2020 numbers. So Gen Z, so be 18 to 24 now. Our question is from Gen Z. Oh, wait, no, it's 18 to 23 here. Yeah. This is numbers. You're 2024. No, these are 2020 numbers. That's what I'm saying. But we're in 2022 now. So if you're 24 now, you were in 20, you were 22 at this time. Okay. Well, okay. You're still Gen Z then. Yeah. Okay. So um, the average amount of debt for Gen Z in 2020 was 16,000 for millennials was 87,000 for Gen X. So that's me, 140,000. And then baby boomers was less. Gen X was the highest. And then the silent generation 75 and up was 41,000. I'm willing to bet as time goes on, millennials and Gen Z are equal to, and then surpass Gen X. That's just a pretty yeah, because we're we're still paying on houses and things like that as Gen Xers. Millennials a lot haven't purchased homes yet because they're still living with parents and things. We can't afford to. I, in your time, that was a, a time when people bought houses. And I think millennials have more student loan debt than Gen X. Yeah, the, the price of college tuitions what tripled since you guys were in college, right? I have no idea. Like doubled or tripled. I heard the statistic not that long ago that I want to say it's tripled. It might be doubled from the time like our parents were in college, which I mean, that's all we can have. We can do a whole episode about yeah. education. Yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole episode. <laughs> student loan debt. Um, we'll see <laughs> but the statistics also show people who make more have more debt, which is how it works. That's right. not, not, well, not, I, not shocking. If you don't make that much money, you can't really borrow that much money because mm-hmm. there's no lateral right so i just thought those were some interesting t- statistics to share i like yeah, statistics yeah. kind of helps put it all in perspective a little bit so back to the question how much debt should you carry so first let what's, me just say what's a good number how, how much debt can i carry well i want to say first that it is best not to carry any revolving debt from one month to the next because you know we've said that's a credit card um, interest, interest rates are normally higher and it's way easier to fall into the bad habit of not paying it off each month. And that can really start to blow your budget and then trap you in that debt spiral. Yeah, girl. So the simple off the cuff answer is none. Don't okay, have but revolving debt, but that's not reality. Yeah. Let me expand on that question. You're 24. You just graduated college. You're going to, you're going to use your credit card a little bit because Obviously, ideally, you're not putting everything on your credit card. You're trying not to use it. But realistically, in the world we live in, things happen. You get into, like, you're using your credit card pretty clearly. What's, like, an okay, what, like, obviously, the correct answer is don't use your credit cards. But if you can't. Right. I know it's not realistic sometimes, but it is best if you use it to try to pay it off each month. That's what helps you take advantage of the perks and things like that. So let's look at some just general rules. So housing and car loans. Let's look at those first. Okay. As a general rule, when you buy a car, um, you're going to look at how much you make each month. And then your payment, if it's a new car, 
should be under 15% of your take-home pay. And if it's a used car, it should be under 10% of your take-home pay. So whatever you make each month, the payment should not exceed 10% if it's a used car. Okay. So, okay. So the, the catch there is now you can buy a car with a 10-year payoff, right? But we don't want to do that. But we don't want to do that. Because what you pay in interest would be so much more, right? You're paying too much in interest and you're paying for a car for 10 years. Do you even want to drive the same car for 10 years? Some people do. I, I don't. Well, I would think, and honestly, in today's world, I think most people after 10 years, especially I will say most people at 24, the car I buy, hopefully 10 years from now, you can afford, you know, and you are ready to upgrade in 10 years. You're ready to upgrade. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you can go buy, you know, an $80,000 car, the 10 year payoff and maybe get your payment under that. But that really isn't the best thing to do either. Well, and plus by the time you pay it off, most new cars, even after 10 years are not, you're not going to get anything out. It's not worth anything. Right. So in the, back in the olden days, they used to say, if you can't pay for it in three years, you can't afford it. Not just for cars or for anything. Well, for cars. Okay. So I did, I did a little example here. Um, I pulled up the base model Honda CRV which, you know, the little SUV, the Honda little SUV, I didn't know what to pull up. So that's what I pulled up. Fair car, 24, you're out of college, got a good job. You're going to buy a 2021 Honda CRV. That seems right. Okay. So the base model is 25,000. So we're just going to go with that number. Okay. So if you did a three-year loan at 6%, your monthly payment would be 760.55. So, so to, that's a big payment for a Honda CRV. I'm gonna be honest with you. But that's you're paying it off in three years. So personally, me, I understand the idea of paying it off in three years. I'd probably go for a five year. Okay. Just because well, so seven huge payment. It's a huge payment. Your monthly income would have to be five thousand seventy dollars. So fifteen percent because it's a new car of your take home pay. Your that uh-huh. means your monthly pay is fifty thousand seventy. Or 5070 50070 That'd be nice. Um, but obviously, just like you said, like you're not making that much or that's just a giant payment. And you want to look at a five-year. So if you did a five-year for mm-hmm. 25000 at 6%, or your payment would be four eighty three thirty two. Right. So you could actually have a $483 payment and your monthly income would be 3,221. You're using your monthly income. Is this the number? We're talking about 15% before or after taxes. I like to look at the after taxes. Okay. So I mean, I'm just asking because the difference in what you make, you know, it, it changes. So 15% after taxes is your goal. You want to be under that. Yeah. Just that just gives I, you that little bit of more wiggle room. I think 483 though. Right. So that sounds better. I'm okay. So with 15% that. of 3,200 a month. Technically, if your only debt really is your car, 483. Yeah. yeah. So, but when you're young and starting out, you, you, you may not be making that much, right? You might still be even in college and have a part-time job. So if you right. make even, if you make less than that, but you're looking for a good used car. Mm-hmm. So let's say you make about 2,500 a month. Okay. You want to spend no more than 10% of your monthly income. So the max payment you could have is $250. To purchase a used car that you could pay off in three years at a 6% interest rate, the car could cost about $8,200. Okay. That's for three years. That's for three years. If you wanted to do a five-year, you could go up to $13,000. 
but buying a used car with a five-year loan, you got to be careful. You want to pay attention to the mileage in the year of the car. You got, there's all those other factors you need to take into account. The car I had before was certified pre-owned. So it's technically a used car, but I think certified pre-owned comes with a little bit more backing on the stability of it. And I did a five-year for that. And I will say, I think that's about what my payment was. And that is about what the car costs. So my last car, I did a really good job on. Yeah. So you made, yeah, your payment was about 250. You had a lot more weight though in that. I remember you yelling at me about how much cars cost. Yeah, that's what I do. I yell. This car, uh, I did not bring you to the dealership with me, and it is more than that. So I didn't want to go to the dealership with you. You were fine. <laughs> that's fine. I thank you because I don't want you to yell at me about it. And now look at me. Look at you. Well, do, run your numbers and see if you're under that. I can't you don't do it I right can't. now. I do actually think that I am in line with it. I think I have a longer loan though. I don't know how long my loan is for. It might be, I don't want to tell you, it might, it might be a seven year loan, but I did that with the intentions of having a lower payment and the lower interest rate and just paying it off sooner. Yeah. That's just the kind of thing that can get you in trouble. Well, at the time, so there was like us moving and it was, I bought my car during COVID. So I did the longer loan to have a lower payment in case COVID went crazy and I lost my job and to have a lower payment was actually what influenced the length of my loan. So it was like, it happens. I was working from home at the time. I didn't know if my company was just going to, you know, cut costs, let me go. And then I'd be stuck with a huge car payment. So I got the lower car payment because it was during COVID just in case. You just, I mean, those are just the things you got to be careful of. And so be deliberate with your decisions and saving a significant amount. I don't know how much you had saved, but saving a significant amount for your down payment to cover all those things can make a big difference in that between a seven and a five-year loan. Anyways, enough about me. Let's look at your rent or your mortgage now. I'm assuming a 24-year-old, well, I feel like using the word rent makes more sense. Okay. So for housing, let's say for housing, you want to spend no more than 28% of your monthly income for housing. Okay. So, and, and we're talking about debt. So mortgage is debt. Um, and I'm going to consider rent debt for our purposes today, because if you were to go purchase a home, they look at how much you pay in rent and consider that a debt. So basically you should be spending less than 28% of your monthly income on your rent or your mortgage. So if you make that 2,500 a month, we mentioned for the car, your rent or your mortgage should be no more than $700. Okay. Okay. So if it's a mortgage that includes your insurance and taxes, so like when you go online and you're looking for houses and it says this $200,000 house is only going to cost you $700 a month, that's not true because that's just the, you you got to factor the other two things in, but that's a whole nother episode too. So just basically out of pocket to buy your house, $700 a month or your rent, $700 a month. If you make $2,500, so 28%. That's the target number to be hit or stay under. Yes. And that's Obviously. the number used when you, to qualify for a mortgage also. Oh, okay. That's it. I was going to ask where that like obscure the 15%. I was like ballpark 28% is a specific number. So I was going to ask where it came from, but that makes sense. Yeah. That's so if you're well, applying for a first time <laughs> home buyer's loan, that's the amount that they look at. Gotcha. Okay. So we're trying to keep it all connected and not just random numbers for no reason. No, yeah. I mean, putting saying it that way makes it make sense to me. Okay. So we want to say 
we're buying a new car. We want to be under 15% of our monthly income. Plus we want our rent to be under 28% of our monthly income. Obviously the goal is to not carry any other debt, but if you do, what, how much do we say is okay? If you're max 15% and you're 28%. So you, then you have too much debt because you want your overall debt to be no more than 35% of your take-home pay. So if you have credit card debt, if you have student loan debt, 15% is too much and 28% is too much. I have bad news for myself. Once you factor in my student loan debt, all these numbers are just not possible for me. Right. And that's why people get in trouble, not just student loan debt, but like if you have credit card. So that's why making really balancing your budget, working on your debt when you have it. You used our spreadsheet recently to do your budget. Yes, I did. Brand new year, brand new budget. I used it. I filled in. I went back for two months. I pulled all my credit cards, all my debit cards, everything. And I went through line by line, like you said. And I grouped everything and I added it all up every month and I let it make a little pie chart for me that tells me how much I'm actually spending in each category. And the results were, I'm not going to say shocking because like I know where my money goes. It was rude awakening of truly how much I just love to eat out. Yeah. So, but now, you know, and you can make more deliberate decisions on maybe I don't need to eat out here tonight. Maybe I can just grab some groceries or maybe I'm. Instead of a dinner date, let's just do lunch. Changed everything for me. Also, I noticed that, like, I mean, I'm sure like most people doing that spreadsheet, I noticed that the types of places that I went changed how much I spent, like places where like drinking is more a part of it, which changed the amount of times I allow myself to drink during the week, which currently for January and onward is once a week. But I noticed that if I go to places that are like more, like nightlifey, I drink more, I spend a lot more, but I'm counting that as like a dinner. But like, that's not the expensive part. I'm only getting an appetizer. So I'm calling it like my food category, but it's not, that's not even the expensive part. Knowing where it goes is, is important. So it did open your eyes. It's kind of like, like you said, a rude awakening, but it's important. Well, so it's like those things that you go every month and you're like, oh, it probably went out. I did a little too much of this or I shopped a little too much at the end of the year because of Christmas. I ate out a little bit too much because I had a lot of birthdays. But then when you really look at the numbers and it puts in the little pie chart and then that's just your like fun money. And then you're looking at your car and your rent and like it becomes overwhelming. So I, I use the spreadsheet for my budget this year and it was really helpful for me. Good, good, good. So I'm glad you liked it. So listeners, you can go and um, the PDF version is on our website at askmymom.podbean.com. If you would like the editable document, send us an email at askmymompod at gmail.com and we'll send you the link to the spreadsheet because it really is helpful in figuring out exactly where it goes. And then like Noel mentioned the pie chart, the numbers pull directly into the pie chart and it tells you the percentages you should be at. So you'll know exactly. There's not really any math involved. It no, does you it for you. Pull up your bank statement and just plug in the numbers and we can't see it. The one that it sends out. So it's totally yours to have once you download it. But yeah, it was, I mean, super easy. I just put in all, everything from each category and then it computed it into percentages. Like, yep, it's, it's easy to use. So if you would like it, just shoot us an email and let us know. Um, so like we said, if you run those numbers, you maxed out your car, you maxed out your housing and you still have credit cards, now you have too much debt. So 
there's guidelines for everything, but you still want to, maybe those guidelines are giving you too much room if you have credit card debt and student loan debt. Yeah, so I think that 15 and 28%, you can tap out, like you can max that out if you're not using your credit cards at all. But if you're using your credit cards at all, or you have student loan debt, you definitely have to like chop the whole thing down. Yeah, so it's important to know. So the overall rule for how to distribute your money in general, and you can check and see if you were aligned with this, and it was on the spreadsheet anyway, but at least 10% to your savings, no more than 55% on your living expenses, and then the 35%, no more than 35% to your debt. Of your living expenses is your utilities, your gas to get to work, your food, and whatever else you You're eating out. So, and it means a lot. And knowing those numbers and knowing what you make can really set you up for success. Um, when you make less, obviously you should be spending less, but we see this debt epidemic because so many people get their first job and then they start living outside of their means because they see you know, the other folks at work with the fancy bags and the belts and the shoes. But if you just wait a few years and learn to manage your money first, you can have so much more in the way of those higher end items. Definitely. Whether than, you know, instead of buying them right away in those entry level positions, just wait a few years, learn to manage your money and your money will go so much further for you because Definitely. we don't all know how to manage our money straight out of high school, straight out of college. We don't know. It takes, well, I think it's, a, it's a learning is, process. That's what I mean. And that's what the whole podcast is about, right? Which you don't, most people just don't know. Yeah. So buying those higher end items too soon and using your credit cards. And that's what so many people do. It just puts you in that long, hard, ugly, painful journey down the road into the debt spiral, which is not a happy place to be. And it's really, really, really hard to get yourself out of it. Not impossible. You have to just really work towards it. And the first step is knowing where your money goes and, and, you know, use our spreadsheet or use another spreadsheet you like to figure out where your money goes. So if you find yourself struggling with debt, there is help out there though. There are people out there to help you get yourself out of that hole. You are not alone. Um, use our spreadsheet. If you need somebody to walk you through it or just bounce questions off of, you can reach out to a financial counselor. You want to look for one that's certified. Um, I'm accredited through the AFCPE and you can go to their website. AFCPE stands for Association of Financial Counseling and Planning Education. So AFCPE website. I'll put the website link in the description. So if you're looking for a financial counselor, you can go to their website um, and you can find tons of them all around the country. Mm -hmm. A lot of nonprofits in urban areas also have financial counselors. So you can reach out to different nonprofits in your area to see if they have a financial counselor on staff. Um, There are also for-profit organizations and for-profit people in private practice And there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Normally they charge between $80 and $120 an hour for- uh, But if you're someone at 24 who you run your numbers and you are well above 35% of your monthly income and you want to get a handle of it, to me, I've obviously other, I've never hired someone. It might be worth it to pay 160 bucks for two hours of someone's time to go through your debt with you and- set you up with a better plan on how to take care of it. I would say that's probably a good investment if it's if you care about getting out of debt and you are in a little over your head. 
just make sure they're certified. That's my only caution is, I mean, there's a lot of people out there saying that they're financial counselors and financial coaches. That's the new catchphrase, financial coach. And there is a certification for kind of financial coaches also, but just make sure they're certified by a legitimate organization. And you can always Google that organization to make sure that it's not a made up thing or a scammy thing, but there's right. no, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the private practice and also your um, mental health counselors. A lot of therapists work with financial counselors as well. So if you're in counseling for your mental well-being, ask your therapist if they have a financial counselor that they recommend. But there's a lot of nonprofits out there that have them. So it might not cost very much. So yeah, I think it's true. If you do the spreadsheet and you see that you're at that much more or you can't get into the spreadsheet and it's just really you feel overwhelmed, I would say going to like the AFCPE website and finding one in your area or however to me, that would be a worthy investment because I really think the hardest thing, especially at 24, speaking as a 24-year-old, is you're really entering the adult world for the first time. And it is overwhelming because you have access to money that you don't have and you haven't made. Yeah. And that's the thing. People get money for the first time and they start living (laughs) and sometimes they live a little too much. And they start using credit cards and it's a scary thing because you're, you're not setting yourself up for success when you get into credit card debt straight out the gate. And even if you're paying your rent, paying your car payment, you've been using your credit cards because you know that you can pay it. The thing is then what, if you want to change jobs or however else you're really tied into wherever you're at, when you know, I know I make this much right now, so I can take on this much credit card debt. But if you decide you want to switch jobs, having to factor in how much you owe to someone else before you, if it was just your rent and your car payment, you're paying, okay, yeah, I could take on a new job, even if I make a little bit less. But when you start living kind of beyond your means, you can't really afford to not work for two weeks because you owe all this extra money. And I mean, it's like you said, the debt spiral is a hard one to kind of get out of. But I think 35% to answer the question, how much debt is okay to carry if 35% of your income or less? Right, as the basic answer but you have to look at the small parts of it as well. Yeah, well, and I think, okay to carry, obviously, ideally, you have no debt and everything's paid for and it's great. But the reality is, especially as a 24 year old, unless you have a scholarship or your parents paid for school, you probably have student loan debt. You probably have a car payment. You probably pay some kind of rent and all of that should be considered in before you even open a credit card really and start using it. Yeah was informative. So yeah, basically 35%, no more than 35% of your take-home pay. So shoot us an email for that spreadsheet. Askmymompod at gmail.com and we'll be happy to send you the link. Or if you have questions or if you have another question in addition to this, shoot us an email. No, I'm so happy that you came today. I am too. It's so nice to do this with you again. I know um, our listeners like when you're on the episodes. Those are I like always the ones that get listened to the most. Since the last time I was on, I mean, a lot's happened. I've moved and I'm not going to say anything else right now, but possibly the next time I'm on, I will have moved again. So that's a cliffhanger. <laughs> I'm not going to even comment on that. And now we have to go offline. So I can get <laughs> no, but you're doing great. And I'm very proud of you. And I'm so happy that you came. That's amazing reach out to me all the time saying they listen like friends that I went to elementary school with like people I barely know who I like when I share a link to my stories on Instagram 
people, people listen to the podcast and they really like it. I'm really proud of what you're building here. And it's really helping a lot of people like me who you don't learn this in school. And it's nice that there's someone giving information in ways that is digestible. Thank you. Well, you're always the most popular podcast and I sent you the picture today. We had listeners in France, shout out France. I don't even know anyone in France. I'm so excited. Did you see that? I did. I saw the map you sent. Yeah. So super exciting. Um, Bonjour, Francois. Shout out. So I guess that's it for today. So no more than 35% of your take home pay. And we'll do an episode on cars. And we have a couple other episodes we need to um, work on. I want you to on. And we might even have a special guest in a future episode. I will keep you posted. Oh, I have to give one last shout out here. If you're listening to this podcast, you have an interview coming up. We did an episode in 2020 about interview tips. And we had Jasmine, who for a living coaches people on interviews and their resumes. And she was wonderful. And I had an interview and I went back and re-listened to the episode twice before my interview. And I can't tell you how helpful it was for me. And so anyone who's going to be interviewing, I recommend going back to that episode and listening. Yes, Jasmine did a great job. I love Jasmine. Her, her episode is actually one of the most downloaded ones we have. So I'm very proud of her. Very happy that she came and shared with us that day. I mean, everything's super helpful. That was just one this, this week. I went back and listened to that one twice and it was good. And it was really helpful for me. So if you have interviews coming up, I can't recommend that episode specifically enough. Thank you. Lots of happy shout outs. So no more than 35%. And we will um, talk to you again in a week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ask My Mom podcast. You can get in touch with us on Facebook at Ask My Mom Pod. You can email any questions to askmymompod at gmail.com. And of course, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this. Thank you.